we've had a little bit of a, a hiatus um, there after the the completion of our very um, exciting series that we did on uh, Jurassic Park. Um, little little time away, I would I would say for me probably needed due to some uh, you know uh, personal circumstances, but uh, honestly pretty pretty happy to be back uh, recording another episode with you today. Yeah, um, it. Uh... It's nice to be able to have my two feet back after getting intense burns on them for standing barefoot in the sand on a beach looking to the southwest longingly for a little too long. Yeah, yeah, and then then you know after you're, you you getting tangled with the up with the the Costa Rican um, national guard that that was kind of a that was kind of a bad scene. Yeah, you kind of had to go to the hospital for a little while there. That that I didn't I don't mean to you know tell your business here but uh you know i I, we were all pretty worried about you to be honest uh good news uh the napalm strike has left no lasting damage well i'm i'm glad i'm glad to hear that (laughs) i guess you were outside of the range of direct contact yeah uh welcome to the sad boys book club it's been a hot minute my name is dusty and i am daniel and we are doing the shining for October, the Halloween month. Ooh. Yeah, I I'm uh, this is probably our first uh uh seasonally themed book. Uh one that's a concept that um I'm actually kind of interested in doing uh moving forward. I, we we've talked about it a little bit. Um you know, moving forward we'd like to do stuff uh like like a like a, a Black History during Black History Month, you know, do, you know or you know so something you know to to kind of uh, give give different uh, t- times of the year a little bit of a a distinct flavor you know a little bit different or or to to spotlight you know so different groups that might not get as much coverage um, in in a lot of the wider media a theme if you will yeah. We did have plans for for September for Hispanic heritage, but those uh, to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit. Those kind of fell through through a combination of um, availability and uh, not getting really set with a book in time. Yeah, yeah, it was just one of those one of those situations where um, we weren't quite able to uh, to to get to get together. And uh, you know, get get the get get a book at the right time, and eventually, you know, kind of snowballs on you. But so, uh, apologies for that. But uh, you know, we're looking forward to doing that next year. The Shining. The Shining. I, I just just some some thoughts off the rip here. Um, I I really liked it so far. We've only read uh, the first two parts, so it's broken up into I want to say five parts. Yes. Um, and then, but, and we've only, for the, the purposes of this podcast, we're only going to, uh, talk about parts one and two. The full schedule is, um, and the book very conveniently kind of split itself up into quarters like this. The first quarter of the book is part one and two. The the second quarter is part three. The third quarter is part four. And the final quarter is part five. It very, very conveniently separated itself in such a way that we had very clear stop points so that we could cover this in four episodes and cover this book in four relatively even quarters 
I think there's like a plus or minus 10 pages for each quarter for each part. So yeah, anyone reading along uh, today is going to be part one and two. And then next week, part three, the week after part four and the final week, part five. So it worked out well. The, the elephant in the room with this book is going to be the, uh, the movie. I've noticed that started to become a theme here, but that's 100% not intentional on our part. We're, we're no. actually not picking books with well-known film adaptations. Which I do feel like, um, outside of probably right now, I don't think there's ever really going to be a need to bring up the film. Because, um, famously, Kubrick took King's book and basically threw it in the trash and said, I'm making my own movie that is relatively based off of your book, and King was not a fan of that. So I feel like we're not going to really, unless we wanted to have a bit where we're talking about, well, in the book this happens, but in the movie this happens, which is just not really conducive to good conversation for the book itself, I feel like this is really the only time we really need to bring up the movie. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, that's 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 fair. I mean... I, I think that it's it's yeah the he really uses the book more as a loose framework uh, kind of like you were alluding to there but it's just I don't know I I've, I've heard I, I'm just curious one I might want to revisit just one more time when we get to the end because the King has some certain has some specific um, complaints I guess about about how the book was depicted uh, in the film um, particularly with some uh, alterations to the nature of certain characters and certain situations, I would uh, maybe maybe that might be interesting. Like towards the end, when we're kind of doing a wrap, uh, <coughs> uh, sorry to kind of to like give thoughts there. Oh no, it's all good. Um, I don't know. That would that might be that might be worth uh, discussing. Like I don't think it's worth going into the specific critiques at the moment. Uh, just just one of those things to kind of to kind of set set the the stage for that later yeah uh i don't want to go too too deep into the movie because like i said it's not really it's not honestly relevant to the conversation in the book but i just want to i want to just get my little snobbery out here because i have such a high importance of self-worth and opinion um i will fully acknowledge the object truth that is the quality of the film The Shining by Stanley Kubrick I don't like it I've never liked the film uh, it's just not for me I don't I don't think it's a bad film I think it absolutely deserves the praise it's received especially in the acting um, uh, categories I guess uh, it's just not a film that I've ever personally cared for and I just I don't I don't I don't, I don't much care for it it's it's just a personal preference it's not me saying the, the movie is bad it is not a bad movie I just don't personally like it I I don't want to derail us here but I have an astonishingly hot um, Kubrick opinion that I, I I'm kind of I have broadly similar uh, uh, feelings about the movie the shining um maybe a little bit more positive than you but uh generally feel the same i i think that the best kubrick uh films are actually with the exception of eyes wide shut which is one of his more well-known ones i i think his better film his yeah his last yeah definitely his last one um i think i think his uh lesser known films like like paths of glory for example 
are are better than than any of the the more famous well-known and more widely discussed ones yeah i appreciate the shining on a technical uh level on a filmmaking level on a artistry level but i just don't have any personal enjoyment watching the film itself so that is not a condemnation of the film that is just a personal preference of enjoyment i know i I can i can already see the the angry comments (laughs) yeah i just really want to make that clear i'm not saying that's a bad movie i am not at all it's just me saying i get it it's just not for me i think that's fair to say so Um, unless you got anything else you ready to go into the book itself i guess uh last little thought here while while i'm thinking about it um in case anybody is interested in reading this book, just want to give a quick content warning that there, this book does discuss some pretty heavy topics. You know, of course, there's your, your standard horror type things, of course, but there's some like interpersonal situations like abuse and, you know, physical abuse, verbal abuse, um, that kind of thing that, that could be upsetting to, if so. You know, just to let you know if you may be sensitive to that sort of thing. And and there are a certain outdated attitudes and probably diagnostic criteria and just, just ways that certain things in, in neurodivergence are talked about and, and thought about. So again, it's something to be mindful, I would say. Finally, I want to give just a, a quick warning as this book does depict a character with outdated attitudes towards the LGBT community. So these are just things that you may want to be mindful of just going into the book. But anyway, let, let's let's go ahead and get into the story, the meat of the story itself. Um, the, the the book opens with uh, Jack Torrance, uh, who is, is he's the main character, uh, sitting in an, in a job interview, um, and in this very sort of like typical sort of mid late 20th century uh office room and he's he's listening to this the the guy who's interviewing him uh Stuart Ullman who is the the boss of the hotel I, I forget his specific title but the point is he's, he's the boss of the hotel is is that that what they call him okay. yeah he's just manager. Yeah, he's the manager of the hotel um he's he's um Jack Torrance refers to him as, as being uh, very officious, and I think we see that throughout. He's he's a little bit, you know, he's he's obviously given Jack kind of the business here. He's kind of, um, he's really puffing himself up. He's really talking up the hotel, and he's he's generally, it's it. I'm sure this is an experience um, almost everybody's had where they're in a job interview with somebody that is just absolutely just, totally eaten up with the with the culture and the hype of of a of a workplace um it's it's uh it's it's uh, to be honest it's pretty grating and i i can understand uh, how annoying that might be but um so they're going back and forth and there's kind of like the the, the job that uh, jack is interviewing for is a sort of like a a handyman that's supposed to to winter at the hotel um, this is not such a so much a thing anymore, but at the time this book was written back in the in the late seventies, 
uh, there were still quite a few places uh, in the in the Rocky Mountains that you just could not get to after a certain point of the year, um, at least not very easily. Um, so so a lot of places like like the hotel um, and the real hotel that it is based off of, which I can't recall the name of, but it, it's it used to they used to um, be open during the the uh, spring through the I guess. Uh, early mid fall, and then you know once once you start getting into like freezing temperatures and snowfall, they gotta they gotta shut it down. So uh, as I'm, and you know it's cold weather can be pretty hard on um, on structures, particularly ones as big as the hotel. So so that's what Jack is interviewing for. He's he's trying to be the winter handyman. He's just gonna maintain the place. Keep it, keep everything okay, so that when when next May rolls around, they'll be good to to open up. And so you know, Ullman is talking about that. Jack, he's kind of he is kind of tuning him out, to be fair. But um, he it's it's he but he as he drones on, he finally kind of picks up. He starts paying attention to the conversation when Ullman brings up his his family and are they going to be able to handle. Um, this the, the the winter and I, that's kind of a the the introduction of of this this theme that's going to kind of go through the the book this this uh, this cabin fever um, this uh, the, the the family bonds uh, you know the the idea of isolate families that are isolated you know that this is kind of like the introduction of some of these ideas when are we gonna get a a modern reimagining of The Shining called The Shining 2020? What do you mean I can't leave for 14 days? <laughs> it's uh, it's oh, I I guess we should we should uh clarify um, just to give a, a real expanse of the time. So he's it's uh from like was it October 1st when they they closed it? I I don't remember the exact day, but I think it is in October. I, I think it was October like early october maybe even october 1st through may through through may 12th yes but they were going to open it the 20th or something something yeah. like that i could just imagine um, wendy sitting there and she's like but how what will i do if i can't get my hair and nails done i i, I think that's kind of what omen is getting at is he's like there's the, the, and there's a couple things that he mentions too he's like well, I mean, we've tried this a bunch of ways um, that, uh, that you know, people by themselves, like, uh, you know, are men, usually men by themselves. They, they don't do so well. Um, that, that uh, and even, you know, younger, younger men, older men, that, that doesn't really work as well. What, what, what usually keeps people sane is this, uh, you know, having enough people there, like a family, the families that are there, having the, you know, having that sort of connection but you know it it is it is a big ask that's that's uh you know almost seven months of uh you know of isolation uh ullman was said he he made it clear to torrance that he was pushing for a singular person like a college student like taking a year off as opposed to a family thing because of we'll we'll get into it later but because of the grady incident Okay, I think maybe that's maybe I'm conflating things. Maybe I'm thinking of the Grady incident. Uh, either way, there, during the interview, it's it's it becomes clear that just as Jack doesn't really think much of Ullman, 
Allman really doesn't think that much of Jack. And um, he basically flat out tells him, like, look, you've got a guy vouching for you for this job um, that's basically made it clear to us that we have to, to give you the job. Um, but if it were up to me, uh, no, I would I would absolutely not hire you. Yeah, so it's, no real it's, ambiguity there. Yeah, no, no, he's Allman. Allman is um, he's not particularly likable, but he is very honest. I which I, I I don't know. I'm of the idea. I'm of the camp that it's not just enough to be honest, but a lot of people seem to appreciate uh, a a straight shooter, and I guess we'll we'll give Allman that. Um, yeah, you could say that he is a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys. Um, anyway, so Ullman, Ullman uh, takes takes Jack around, and he's he's uh, kind of going through the the, the floor plan, um, talking about the attic, and and basically saying this is storage. Do not let your son go into the attic for any reason, and that that kind of rankles Jack a little bit, um, and. Uh, because he's like, oh, this this kind of touches on another thing that will kind of become a a recurring theme is Jack being very um, sensitive about his fitness as a father. Um, that's 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 going to be a, a recurring theme. So so keep an keep an ear out for that or eye out, I guess, if you're reading it. Um, and he he mentions he wants to set rat traps in the attic. But also, there's no rats. There's no rats in the hotel. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who, what you heard, but there are no rats. And I, I, I think it, that's that's something that's kind of funny. He's like, he, he always, he's like, yeah, and you might want to set some rat traps. But there's no rats. It's it's totally fine. It's we don't have rats, <laughs> um, which is which is just a such a a, a classic um, uh, upper management double speak situation. Um, Anyway, so he goes through the hotel and he's talking about all the suites and 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 all of that and and um, as he kind of continues, they kind of go through the other areas like the lobby area, the the dining room and the lounge, um, and then he kind of hands him over to a guy named Watson, who is a uh, he he's more the the maintenance guy of the hotel. And uh, he's gonna te- tell him about like uh, you know how to wait. Am he's more. Oh he's, no no he's no! More I'm than thinking... just the maintenance guy. Well, yeah, he is the maintenance guy, but uh, actually, his family originally were the the owners and proprietors of the Overlook Hotel. Um, so that that's kind of an interesting thing is, but they they kind of. Um, and this is something that that uh, Ullman talks about during his uh, his spiel that um, he's not um, that that generally for the almost its entire history the Overlook Hotel for all of its splendor and grandeur and and all of that has not been a particularly profitable venture. Um, I think he says that last year was the first time in its like eighty year history that it broke even, and this year this year being 1977 is the first time that they ever turned a profit yeah um so and they he goes through the the history of the hotel and maybe maybe if it becomes relevant we, we might circle back to some of these figures but all you really need to know is that watson the maintenance man 
uh, comes from what was once a wealthy family that has kind of been uh, returned to the sort of like worker status rather than like the, the capital owning class. Um, oh, you know what? This is, while I'm thinking about it, this is, uh, I think Ullman mentions, uh, I, I, I think I, 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 I uh, kind of glossed over the name, but the, the guy that, that gets Jack the job is um is Al Shockey who is a who is a, a guy that sits on the board of directors that basically um he basically was the one that that uh put Jack up for this role and said hey you need to hire him um and uh, I there I guess one one last uh one last little little spiel little little thing that's mentioned here is that uh Ullman refers to an incident that happened in Jack's previous employment, um, that that led to his dismissal, um, and that's something that is kind of just. Dis- but he's like, well, but I guess that doesn't really matter. But it, it, it just it's kind of like laying the groundwork for that review. Yes, and I just want to say that I really one of the things that I love about Stephen King is. In all of his books, at least the ones that I have gone through myself, um, in all the books of Stephen King that I've gone through, uh, there's always that central voice that is 100% King, but there's like little nuances in each of the books that make them feel a little more unique, a little more kind of just different and out there while still retaining that centralized oh yeah I'm reading a Stephen King novel kind of thing and I think this one has that too with its style that I just I really enjoy and you get it almost right off the bat it's almost like it's 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 super erratic and it's it it has a lot of jumping back and forth in a lot of ways and I, I guess this is as good of a place as any to throw this in there instead of having to go back into this later on when we get when it becomes a little more prevalent. But something that I feel like it takes a truly great author to do successfully um, is how deftly in this novel King is able to jump from perspective to perspective almost just seamlessly and he does it in a paragraph not in a chapter break not in a page break it'll just be from one paragraph to the next oh i'm in danny's perspective and then suddenly oh no i'm now i'm in wendy's and then oh wait no now i'm in jack's now i'm back to danny and it's just i don't know this 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 book has a really interesting unique and very entertaining style to it that still retains that king charm fluidity yeah fluidity yeah. is good too yeah the, i i've heard some people um particularly in the writing world refer to that sort of as head hopping and yes. uh, generally discourage it but i i feel like king um for no, numerous reasons including part one of the things including his like his uh, very strong voice and like strength of style uh is he's you know i think he he shows that you can navigate it you just have to 
you know, like all like all uh, laws and rules of writing and really any art form, there are rules. You can break them. You just have to do it well. If you yeah. do it well, if you can break the rule well, then then the rule no longer applies to you. Yeah, um, I definitely think King is one of those people that was able to do that successfully. But I would never, ever, ever recommend anyone doing that. It's kind of like yeah. McCarthy and his punctuation, or <laughs> lack thereof. It's the exact same concept, just different application. Yeah, uh, uh, I think, yeah, he's 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 particularly good at, um, like like I said uh, up at the top, is uh, the interpersonal and like King King writes people really well, and at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, we're 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 back at the the hotel. He's he's telling him. Um, he he told him the history and all that, and he's he talks about uh, certain things that they talk that they that you might recall if you've seen the movie, like the uh, like the topiary animals and you know like the all the like the 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 ballroom and the the bar and all, all of that stuff. You know, just just kind of setting up some some places that we will return to later one one he refers to as the i've never heard of this sport before but rook court um which apparently is like a proto croquet um yeah never ever heard of that i don't know at it, any it point. uses <laughs> it uses a mallet with one end rubber and one wooden yeah, it's it's, sure. it's 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 for people that are more more wealthy than I am. So I yeah, I, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not run into that too many times. Yeah, I I'll just stick with my 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 Maddens and my and my Fifas and my MLB the shows if you don't mind me. <laughs> What's that? They're seventy dollars um, now. Never mind. <laughs> Maybe every other year at best. Um. Anyway, so the uh, I'll you know what. I think you know. Isn't this the part where he kind of, he kind of tells the story of like the previous caretakers? Yeah, this is when we get the 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 break. Yeah, Watson is the one that gives Jack the uh, the Grady incident. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's that's the um, and the the reason I remember this is because I do remember that comment, and that's that. This is where we hit another kind of key theme that kind of follows Jack throughout the novel this uh this sort of thing about alcoholism and i if i believe you know and i I, you know i don't mean to keep derailing us here but i think that's something that king talked about when it was part of his inspiration here was uh some of his struggle with addiction um in his personal life kind of inspired some of these this little bit here that that we kind of introduced into jack here this um this alcoholism um and and grady tell you know he he tells him about the previous caretaker grady he says that he was an alcoholic and he implies that that is um a big a big part of why his caretakership uh failed essentially and uh jack um he denies it uh rather vociferously perhaps he doth protest too much um but yeah that that's that's essentially that that that's the the begin the genesis of that theme there um i think uh i think there is uh, what what else what else happens in the uh in the first chapter that we need to hit i think the grady incident really just kind of covers it i mean unless you want to talk about the 
the the boiler or whatever where it's like oh you gotta make sure you you, you creep creep it down you actually creep up you gotta make sure you bring it down okay yeah i guess i guess we'll just i'll just hit very briefly he you know when he's talking to watson watson is like a, a like a classic mid-20th century kind of like provincial kind of like I guess a kind of a lunkhead, to be honest with you. Um, I've, to use a term of the time, he's not. Uh, he's 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 just like, yep, you gotta. You know, he's he's very coarse. He's very um, he's very uh, loquacious in his way, and he refers to himself as being uh, something like meaner than a braided snake or something like that. He, anyway, he's he's one of those kind of guys. I'm sure. I'm sure you've you've met those kind of people that are volunteer entirely too much information about themselves intentionally making themselves look bad in some in some instances and generally being fairly unpleasant while while uh talking about start while trying to walk you through something that you have to do at a job um i think i think that everybody's had that training session uh but but yeah he's like he's telling him that the boiler uh is really old He's got to rotate it through the the hotel uh, like every day to heat heat different sectors, so that you know prevent prevent the damage and that the the pressure the pressure build up um, the the pressure builds up because it's it's an old model that that had has that was created before they had the uh, contemporary controls to to prevent uh, uh, catastrophic failures such as that. Um, if I had to guess, this is a, a big old Chekhov's exploding boiler uh, that that will probably go off. If I may uh, have a little conjecture here. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning as well. Yeah, so it, it it had been alluded to a few times up to this point, but you know we're still in the first chapter and we're already getting the payoff for it. Uh, the um, Grady incident, as it were. So uh, um, Grady was there, the last name, right, or of the entire family. I think or so. Was it the I, think, I think it was their last name. I think yeah, I think that the man's name was great. It was something Grady. Yeah, so the Grady family. So this was something that Ullman had really pulled for because he was of the opinion that a man with his family will have an easier time doing the job because he won't feel so lonely and this is kind of why he is so apprehensive towards the Torrances doing it this time because of his faith in the Grady's and what ended up happening because of that. So it's almost, you know, kind of a, you know, he, he's, he's kind of afraid of this happening again. Gee, I wonder if it will. Um, so the Grady's, they were, it was, um, a husband, a wife and two daughters and they went to the overlook for their little caretakership over the winter and what ended up happening was, according to Watson, Grady was somehow able to sneak in some booze. But I, you know, I have to wonder, like, for this to have happened, I mean, like, geez, dude, did he just have an entire bar fully stocked in the trunk of his car or something? Because, like, I don't think sneaking in a bottle of bourbon would lead to what ended up happening unless it was just one particularly bad night where things just went to shit, which I don't think was the case. But that's more so me being uh, the role of the omniscient reader more so than just a character in the universe. But I digress. Um, basically, Grady got a little bit of that, that little overlook fever 
mixed in with a little bit of the old man's sippy cup and uh, took a hammer to both of his daughters and his wife. Or no, he took a shotgun, rather, right? He took a shotgun to... I think, um, I think he, he... Didn't he kill the daughters with, like, a hatchet or something? It could have been that, yeah. Um, there might have been a blunt or bladed instrument involved in the murder, but there was definitely also a shotgun involved in the murder, at least at least in the suicide part of that murder. Um, so he killed his family, and then he ended up killing himself. And uh, needless to say, I don't think that was very good for the overlook, depending on when that happened. Let me just be Olman here for a second. Let's say that happened in, like, I don't know, January? That's like four months of just... No, no upkeep and just dead bodies, just kind of like you know rooting around in the place for. So I, you know, for Olman's sake, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be on Team Olman here for just a quick second, just just for sake of the 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 conversation here, just for sake of the conversation, I'm gonna be on Olman's side here. Oh That's, my God, he's being he's being uh, possessed by the ghost of Jack Nicholson, who's still very much alive. Uh, yeah, I actually went to went to the Lakers game yeah. last uh, last uh, playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I really hope that I, I can't do a Jack Nicholson, so forgive me. Uh, but I'm gonna keep doing it because I'm stubborn. I really hope that all these bodies, all of this murder situation happened at least in early May, so that maybe see what I did there. Uh, the bodies were only there for like a week or two before they were discovered, and maybe the boiler didn't creep up so bad like it does. So that was the Grady incident, and I apologize to everybody for that because I'm sure that sounded worse for you than it did in my head. Yeah, it was. So that was that was um, the, the. I think I think this is also. I just want to throw out here. This is kind of. This is like. Um, Jack. Then he he goes into his spiel about uh, like no no it's fine because. Wendy, you know, I'm I'm a writer slash playwright. Yeah, playwright. Uh, and he and and uh, Wendy, she reads a lot. And this is something that I thought was funny. He mentions that Danny like has toys and stuff. And it's just I'm just like, you know, I I I I gotta say, there are definitely one. There are definitely real challenges to uh, parenting. In the the digital age, especially parenting with like, in the iPad and and phone world, but man, it is way easier to to, to keep a kid occupied uh, relative to 1977. Yeah, I just imagine I, Jackson there like, no, 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 it's fine. You don't got to worry about Danny. I bought him a coloring book. <laughs> that's basically it. That's like it's like okay, that's gonna keep him occupied for what? A week until he, you know. No, no, you know, it's I fine. I bought him a twelve pack of Crayola. <laughs> Basically, that's that. That's the. It, it feels. I don't know how many. How many? Uh, this is something that is kind of alluded to later, but like, um, like, uh, have you read any depictions of um, like people that went on the Oregon Trail that let that departed too late? into the year I and they kind of like they like yeah think groups like the Donner Party which you know is huh. referenced by name how topical uh, they're they're basically uh, 
it, 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 it smacks of that. It's like this idea of like, oh, we'll be fine. You know, other people have had these problems, but we'll be fine. You know, it just, it's just, which is, which is, uh, I think part of what, what King is, um, satirizing is not the right word, but that it is maybe perhaps commenting on is like this very American, like, yeah, well, maybe it didn't work for anybody else, but maybe it'll work for us. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of situation. The, the classic, uh, Tobias Funke open marriage relationship. The, yes, the Funke ga- Gambit. Yeah. Oh, it didn't work for any of them. But it might for us. <laughs> yeah. Um and I I I I'm sure as you know, the perfect situation for a struggling writer is isolation with the two people that will probably be the biggest distractions for his writing. Definitely is not going to lead to any tension nor resentment. No. Nope. Um Definitely no murderous intent. See, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to think. Is the, I think basically, he gets the job. He gets back with Omen. Omen is like, hey, you know, I, I'm I'm tough, but you know, I got to run a tight ship to to do this right. And I hope there aren't any hard feelings. And then they they shake hands, and Jack is like, I really hate you, essentially. Um, and 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 maybe. I don't. I don't wish to be uncharitable here or imply, you know, anything negative about any person. But I feel like the intent that we're supposed to come away with that is like, wow, this Jack guy is really resentful. But you know, maybe not to his extent. But I can understand. You know, I I'm sure everybody can that they've been through. You know, they've gone been on the job hunt or. You know, had a job where they feel, have felt very condescended to, and uh, perhaps they had some sort of manager or supervisor that's like, "Well, you know, I'm I'm tough, but I just tell it like it is," or you know, "I'm tough, but I, you know, that's just the way it ha- I have to be to make it work." And and there's there is a certain there, that doesn't really uh, alleviate, at least in my experience, like a little sense of like, "Okay, but you're you're really you know you're you're really starting to get on my nerves here, man." Um, yeah but anyway that that is that it that might be uh at least worth thinking about if you are a if you were kind of like tracing like the character arcs is like this could be the introduction of this this idea that jack um is a very resentful man yeah i mean as somebody who works in a form of leadership at my job uh in my personal experience i feel like my uh, day-to-days and my employees day-to-days work a lot better if we get along so like that's kind of my approach to it is I I'm not the well I run a type ship and that's what it means and it's like yeah I may be an asshole but hey the productivity's there no I, I try to be you know the understanding nice kind of boss and you know I feel like that's what I get back from the people that are under me so I I you know, it's. I don't think that that mentality honestly works. What a novel concept! Treat people like people, and uh, you know, <laughs> you'll you'll benefit from, you know, not having people think you're a jerk and keep, keep keeping them focused on the work. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you anyway, know, uh, a work environment okay. that's allowing uh, any form of fun is a thriving work environment. 
Uh, we're back with uh, so so. Uh, I guess meanwhile we're back in Boulder, um, which is where the Torrances have moved. Uh, following the, and this is something that they they kind of talk about here. They live in Boulder, Colorado. Um, nice town, probably at this this point. It's uh, maybe not quite what it is now, but still very still pleasant in its way. Um, Wendy, she's like she's waiting for Jack to come back, um, and their son Danny, he's. He's sitting on the. He's basically sitting on the curb outside their apartment, waiting for for uh, him to 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 pull up. Um, and basically, they're 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 kind of in this this place. Um, this this apartment is kind of it's kind of cramped. Um, not very well appointed necessarily. It's 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 they make a point of it being old and a little bit run down. And she kind of like uh, muses on jack um and and basically his actions have kind of brought them to this place and they had to move from you know they had they had a house they had this life and now they're here like halfway across the country in this small dirty apartment um see she basically she's she goes outside and then she she sits next to to danny um who is their son and she she refers to she asks him uh, this is a phrase that you'll get used to hearing quite a bit as you get through the novel. What's up, Doc? Um, apparently, they, that's what they, their their nickname for Danny is. They they call him Doc. Yeah, very uh, catchy. I um, I don't know. I I feel like something like that. Uh, I'm surprised it never really caught on in 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 pop culture. I don't know. It might have been like a Cary Grant thing or something. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. So. Something to think about, ponder, see if we could remember where that comes from. Um, and I don't know, it, it's really talk- bugging me. Bonnie. You know, I, 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 we could keep going, but I don't, I don't think anybody is going to figure out what we're, what we're alluding to here. You're being really um, daffy right now. Well, you know, you're... you're I was going to say being pig-headed about it but i'm like that that, that that doesn't make sense without the porky context but anyway. daniel i'm gonna really need you to shut the fuck up okay <laughs> wow harsh but fair and we were we're gonna anyway so they're they're waiting there and there's um jack is driving back and he's driving back in this this uh this vw bug and it's it's not it, there, there's like a problem it's like the fuel pump or something and th- there's something that uh, that Danny and Wendy are talking about. There's a lot of concern about it, and she's trying to um, calm Danny down, like because you know he, Danny's a little bit worried about all of this. And we kind of get this idea here that is kind of like floated that he is sort of um, precocious, uh, to put it one way. He's he's very young, and yet he seems to have a. He seems to ask very penetrating questions. And has like a very, sort of a, a, a strange intuition for someone of his age. And uh, one of the things Danny asks is why uh, why Jack lost his job back in, I want to say it was Vermont. And uh, Wendy's kind of taken aback. She's not sure. 
she this is something that her and Jack have discussed like how are we going to talk about this to Danny and they've gone back and forth about how to do it but uh, essentially they they were never able to come to a real consensus and they just kind of let it go um, but you know in, in the way that the children are people <laughs> I think people sometimes forget that it, it, these these questions remain and eventually Danny you know after wondering all this time he, he has to ask her you know what really happened with dad back in Stovington and uh, Wendy perhaps exhausted or taken aback um, is just she's not really sure how to respond to him so she chooses to respond with uh, pretty much full candor here where she, she says that basically uh, Jack he was a writer he was not a writer he was an English teacher um, and a, like writing class, writing class and like debate coach at this little this this school back in Stoneman. It was a, like a like a prep school or some such. And uh, basically, what happened was was uh, he was he was running the debate team, and he had to cut a student from the debate team, and uh, that led to the, the to the student becoming pretty angry about it. And um, he slashes he slashed uh, the tires on on the Volkswagen, and um, and uh, basically uh, at that point Jack Jack caught him in the act and then started uh, uh, physically you know you know kind of kind of like beating him up a little bit and then there there so after and during that confrontation you know they they both like somebody sees them they t they go into the principal's office. And uh, essentially, the principal was like, "Oh crap, we've uh, we've basically this is a huge scandal." Um, so basically, he decides the best way to handle it is to to get rid of both of them. So the student is expelled, and uh, Jack is fired. And um, basically, after that, they they uh, they're that that's why he they are in the situation that they're in. And she she starts to get a little anxious, and um, she's she's like, uh, "Do you want to go inside and have some some milk and some Oreos?" And and Danny is like, "No, I'm okay. I'll just I'll just wait wait outside for Dad." And um, and this is kind of an interesting point here that that's kind of brought up is that Danny really really has a very strong um, attachment to his father. Um, he he really um in a lot of ways idolizes his father and and um you know has a has a you know a, a bond with him of sorts that's that's kind of uh, as we'll see later can might, might be potentially a vector that that will uh come back to hurt him somewhat um they 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 basically they when they're when they're going I, then then they talk a little bit more um and they basically they he they, they talk about how they feel about if if jack does get the job and um there's there's basically this situation where wendy is not really sure about it um she she'll do she'll go with it if it's what um what jack wants Danny is like, okay, I guess it's okay with. He's he 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 doesn't really have any friends in Boulder, you know, classic new kid situation, and so he's not really 
he's having a hard time fitting in so he he's kind of uh apathetic to you know leaving to go to the mountain he's like uh it's just as well you know it doesn't really seem to, to matter to him too much one way or the other because well i guess i should i should clarify last little bit he doesn't have friends in boulder i'm not i don't want to 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 make it seem like he's like this kind of little shut-in he did have friends back in stovington um but he's just he's just having a hard time adjusting to the move essentially so one thing about this this book that i think is is really conducive to the reading experience is how a lot of it it, there, the timeline kind of jumps back and forth a lot like in the present time in this bit in the the build up to them leaving to go to the overlook hotel hotel um there's a lot of backstory that we get that we kind of get pieces of as it kind of builds this puzzle throughout the introduction of the book throughout i think it's the entirety of part one because I, I think part two is them getting to and getting introduced to the overlook as a whole so like this this part one bit it's it's more than just establishing the characters it's kind of building this puzzle piece of who they were and kind of what put them in the situation so the the main catalyst of the overlook situation is um as previously mentioned the um the incident that jack, that got jack fired um uh, with the incident with uh back in vermont at uh Oh god, what was the school called? Um, Scovington, and uh, the the George Hatfield incident. But we get a lot more going even further back because this was kind of like the spark that kind of ignited the keg, the powder keg of of this book. So we get there. There, there's this really nice bit. I really enjoy this. This kind of gives us. This is this is one of the. Um, the Wendy backstories is we get this kind of almost storybook esque kind of build up of her relationship with Jack about how he ostensibly like her mo- she had an estranged relationship with her mother because she was like a whore. it sounds like she was a narcissist honestly and um, it kind of led to her being kicked out and in college she found Jack and they fell in love and. In- she got to kind of like rekindle with her father, which her mother is an entire can of worms to the point where she blames her for the divorce with her father. And that's just messed up in so many ways. Um, but yeah, we get the story of their, their, their love, so to say, and how perfect it was and how in love with each other they were. And then they got married and they had Danny. But then once Jack got into his writing and he got success and he was drinking and it became a problem. So Jack ends up becoming an alcoholic and it's it's while he's he gets his 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 writing prestige as minor as it is in the grand scheme of things i think <laughs> i think he said that he had ended up publishing i think it was something in the ballpark of like a dozen short stories well he got he got a, a publication in was it esquire yeah that is, was the first which, one a pretty that was a pretty big deal 900 paid 900 dollars probably still would only get you 900 dollars to publish yeah right almost 50 years later this the the rates have not gone up and the prestige has only gone down um but yeah by the time he gets his job in is it stovington is that the school's name am i it's something close uh, to stovington that. is the city um i i forget what the name of the preparatory it's, academy was. i think it's called stove it's stovington preparatory academy I, I think that's actually what it's called i could be remembering wrong i don't know but um 
Yeah, so he, when he ends up getting the job there, he I think I think it's he would only published four at that point, but he ends up pub- getting like twelve published, and he's kind of living off of the prestige of of that, and that's what's kind of getting him through. Um, his his like, that's what got him the job, and that's kind of what's keeping him at the job by the point up to, up to when he ends up getting fired. Um, yeah, he meets he meets Al Shockley there, and they become fast friends. And Shockley is is someone whose father. Uh, was super important and he was like on the board of the school and he's super uber rich and he's you know he's a wealthy family and and al inherited it including his positions on the board when his father died but al is also a little more down to earth he taught he was the coach of the tennis team and they became super quick friends and they became drinking buddies and the alcoholism like really snowballed from there and it kind of created a rift between wendy and jack especially um after Danny was born, which it's not because of Danny, it's just kind of, but at the same time after Danny was born, it, it caused a rift that was growing, but it also kind of created a bridge that was growing along with it. Weirdly enough, there's some really, it, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's like a, an abuse thing with Wendy. Maybe partially it is with her, with her thinking that as much as she had thought about leaving Jack and taking Danny and going and, you know, just leaving him completely, it was because of Danny that she felt more tied to, to Jack. And it wasn't so much a stay together for the kids kind of thing. It was this idea, and she goes into it later on when she's thinking back on it as they're heading up to the Overlook, that it was like there is some almost supernatural force that is just keeping them together and it's not like forcing them to be together but it's like the bonds of their love are so strong that it will take some external force to rip them apart nothing that jack does can ever truly tear them apart and it's i don't know it's it 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 sounds endearing if not for the fact that jack is honestly kind of an abusive drunk and not not even not even i would say not even kind of i would say pretty plainly he is abusive yeah he's an abusive drunk but he also is abusive when he's not a drunk just maybe he still has that really bad temper it just might not be as quick um so yeah uh, shockley and 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 jack they they hang out they drink together wendy's kind of thinking about divorce um and then there's an incident where they're going out and they're getting drunk and they're heading back and al's driving and there's a bicycle in the middle of the road and they hit it and they spend a couple of hours looking for the body because there had to have been a body they had to have hit a kid that was riding that bike there's no way there was just a bike sitting up in the middle of the road without somebody on it but they can't find anything and it's really weird it's probably some supernatural thing it may maybe it was the turtle maybe the turtle put a bicycle there for jack i don't know um so and that that's kind of their their kind of come to Jesus moment, and they both swear off alcohol at that point, and that's when Jack starts to begin his path to sobriety. Which I want to say that um, he says that in the first chapter it had been fourteen months since then. At at the at this point where we're starting in the book, it's been fourteen months that he's been he's been sober, and. Oddly enough, the next morning after that situation is when 
um, Wendy decides she's going to finally commit and divorce him. But then he asks her if, because she says we need to talk. And he's like, can we wait to have this conversation for a week? And the way that he says it and the way that he's acting stops her enough to allow him that week. And she notices that he does stop drinking and it does, it kind of pushes the conversation to the side. So that's like Jack kind of overcoming his, his alcoholism, him and Al together. And it's, you'd think that it would be a major turning point for his, his character, but it kind of isn't. Because then that kind of leads us to the situation that is the catalyst for the novel, and that is the the George Hatfield incident in which he... Uh, there's a lot of incidences in this book. A little more than just a bit of assault. Uh, kind of a big thing. So then the board voted, and they're like, yeah, Jack, we're going to need you to turn in your um, letter of resignation, which Jack agrees to. And that's how he ended up losing his job. And that's put us in the position where Owl was like, eh, you know, this is bullshit, but, you know... I'll, I'll get them to come around, don't worry. Um, but as it stands, Jack is now without a job, and this is what leads him to Al getting him the job at the Overlook. Um, that's like a very broad stroke of like the, the backstory. There's a lot more nuance to it because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm summarizing a lot here. But the character work in this section is phenomenal. As you said earlier, King thrives on character writing, and it doesn't show any better than when we're getting especially on Wendy's side of things I feel his how he how he writes Wendy and how like her situation for with her mother and her father and with Jack and Danny I just I I don't know I think it's great she has a lot of trauma a huge amount yeah. of trauma uh, not, it, and I, I it, it may not know. be perfect but you can tell that it is written with a lot of tenderness and affection and I think it is for its time certainly you know a very well written depiction of of a woman who's experienced a lot of trauma and and abuse yeah and i don't take it so much as wendy being helpless but it is definitely wendy being a victim uh so i i don't know i maybe maybe or at least at first it's supposed to be taken as wendy being helpless and i think her arc through the story is supposed to be her going from being a helpless victim of abuse from her mother from jack and feeling like she's basically tied to him because of Danny and not because of Danny and how Danny feels tied to to Jack as well maybe maybe this book is going to be also in the background the story of Wendy becoming a stronger woman a stronger human and able to break the bonds that she's kind of tied to right now yeah I mean I I, I don't want to uh yeah, I, I don't want to like say that she's she's powerless necessarily, but but I think a little context is is important here. That uh, when this book was written, I mean, a lot of women were not able to exercise full. Um, maybe yes, they had voting rights. Um, the Roe v. Wade decision was just a few years before this, so maybe they had certain autonomy. But like we're we're talking like this is we're like single digits of years after you know women were you know able to to have like bank accounts like legally required to allow to have bank accounts that were not under the control of like their husband or other quote-unquote responsible figure you know like like women at this stage of of history in you know even even throughout the world but even in america was 
you know they were it was it was a it was sometimes pretty tough you know yeah but yeah um like so i, I kind of like sped through a lot of it. there's a lot of nuance there's a lot of detail most of part one is about these 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 pieces of the backstory and just the, i i really enjoy the character writing i think we get a lot of good insight into especially jack and wendy and we kind of get a little bit of an idea of who danny is and, and we get an introduction to um his ability uh, i guess is a way to put it with how he you know he he has his visions where he sees things and he hears thoughts that um other people have and he, the things that he sees may or may not end up coming true and one of the catalysts to it is his, as his parents put it, his imaginary playmate, Tony. Um, and how Tony is essentially some sort of, like, otherworldly, like, warner, for lack of a better term. Someone who warns him. Entity? Oracle? I don't know. Yeah. He, he th- Go ahead. And, like, yeah, we, we see that there's a lot of, like, precognition happening here where... And there's a lot of... Um, it's we're getting snippets of things that are likely to come later on in the book. Uh, we're we're getting like dialogue that I, I'm trying to skirt around the very obvious thing that's probably going to happen, especially if you've seen the movie. Um, we're getting these Sorry, scenes I... that are going to be happening later, and like also with that, you know, um, Danny with his his it's almost like an empath kind of mind reading to where he can he can feel emotions and sometimes it's straight up thoughts but a lot of the time it's emotions that are categorized through words or phrases that he can't really read but he can just kind of feel like he he sees the words but he feels them more than reads them because he can't read yet and one of the big ones that was going on for a long time was with his mom with divorce and there's a point where apparently that this is Wendy's recollection is when he was younger, he at one point he just grabbed her arms and he's like, do you love daddy? Do you love me? And that was, I think she she was thinking about divorce at the time and she doesn't know what to make that's, of it. I think that's a big, big part of why uh, Wendy did stay is Danny, you know, he's, he's so, he's too young to really understand the full ramifications of it. He's just, he feels it and it, and it frightens him, you know. Like the the implications of, of the the feeling of divorce, it's it's you know it's obviously a very uh, painful and it's it's a thing that's difficult to, for even like adults to talk about or think about. But when you filter it through the mind of like a a preliterate like four or five year old child, I'm sure it's you know it's it's very you know it's very scary. Yeah. And another thing that he picks up on that he can't quite truly explain is um, Jack's suicidal thoughts that he has, his feeling of worthlessness and thinking that it's it would take suicide for him to essentially, uh, as like 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 the only answer would be for him to kill himself in order to essentially relieve Danny and and Wendy of the burden that he causes them. And that's another thing that Danny picks up on, but he doesn't quite fully understand. Another thing is Jack's alcoholism, which is referred to by from from Wendy as the bad thing, and it's he knows that his dad thinks about the bad thing a lot. So like, there's a lot of a lot of emotional storytelling told through the perception of a five year old child who has some form of telepathy and precognition. It's a very interesting take, to say the least. Yeah. 
But um, without going too much more into it, like it, it really is something that kind of feeds itself by through the way that it's told through the story itself. Like there's a lot more context, there's a lot more character work, and it's it's very good. Um, but just kind of like to breeze through it just for sake of time and and fluidity. Uh, yeah, there's there's just a lot of build up to who these characters are and what kind of put them in the position to lead them to the Overlook, and it's it's great writing it's great character work and it's there's a lot of foreshadowing in here i feel and there's a lot of um yeah a lot of good stuff i don't know so uh, i really liked part one i thought it was very good yeah yeah i i really liked it it's a it's you know good good setup for a lot of the things to come i'm sure essentially uh you know jack jack gets home from from the interview and he's 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 pulling up, and he uh, he takes he takes Danny, you know he he gets home, and you know he tells everybody that you know he he they've got the job, and or he's got the job rather, and he's going to um, he's he's going to go and phone his friend uh, Al just to to you know let him know everything worked out and it's it's all good. Um, they do have a phone at home, and this is something that I think is kind of a. A crucial thing to mention here but he I, there is like a little bit um it's 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 that little this this weird tension this weird marital strife that's going on between him and and wendy so he's just gonna you know take take some quarters and head down and use the old uh, the old payphone and uh he takes he takes danny with him um again just just uh you know just to kind of kind of continue to lay this pattern of like Danny and the, this this very strange relationship between father and son so you know he goes and he's he's calling Al and you know he 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 told him um he, he he's you know he's he's uh he's about something like 2,000 miles away and uh you know, we get a little bit of the, the backstory of, of Al. I think Dusty mentioned this just just a couple minutes ago. Um, you know, and they they they've uh, they 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 talk about um, then we, we kind of get into the, the the a little bit about the uh, Al's past about how he was married and you know it, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting um, kind of showing like the different ways. Um, that alcoholism can kind of, you know, like impact people. Like, uh, you know, Al and his wife, you know, they 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 got a divorce. Um, Jack and Wendy, their relationship is kind of. Were it not for Danny, I I feel that the relationship would be over. Um, you know, and he's kind of thinking about his. You know, he's thinking about his life. He's thinking as he's you know, waiting to get a hold of Al. He he even mentions, and this is this is. Uh, you know, and a pretty astonishing revelation that, um, you know, after the George Hatfield incident, you know, he's he's really wanting a drink. Um, he's wanting a drink now. He's thinking about that what time he wanted a drink, and he was it's it's getting under his skin. He wanted to take it out on on Wendy and Danny. This uh, agitation that he's feeling underneath. Um, so anyway, that that that's really that's really it. Um, you know, there's, there's, there. Al, Al gets 
is able to he finally picks up the phone um little little thing for our uh for our younger listeners but there was a time before um before answering machines you know if the, a phone could just ring and ring and ring um they and it would it wouldn't stop so it's just it's kind of so the the operator's kind of getting annoyed with with jack because the the, the phone call is not going through and uh but eventually al al picks up after a couple minutes and uh you know they have a, a really quick conversation you know al al is you know giving him the update like hey you know i'm i'm working on the board i think they're kind of they're coming back around some people are even saying we we moved a little too quickly on the resignation but um you know everything should be good uh and so so it's kind of it's kind of creating the situation where where jack feels like things are looking up you know he got the job he's uh you know he's he's got a hold of you know he's got a hold of his old friend you know things are looking up for him back home maybe in 19 you know 1978 things you know his life will be back on track more or less um but anyway you know things the, the conversation goes pretty well and jack uh you know thanks him one more time and they go back into the car and they talk talk a little bit about he talks to, to danny about this vision that danny had while he was driving back and um you know they're talking about it and in the way that sometimes parents you know do they they their attention begins to wander from these conversations that the child feels are very significant and very meaningful um it is definitely true in the case of danny because he's got this as dusty mentioned this sort of not just a precognition of sorts but like this sort of like connection with a like a spiritual realm of like that gives him some sort of like mystical powers of some sort anyway danny's trying to kind of communicate to him that he was a you know this feeling that he's he doesn't know that he's intercepting from jack but it is kind of scaring him like this you know jack thinking about the bad thing you know jack potentially hurting him again um but you know jack jack is not really you know he's he is kind of off in his own world because of his you know it's he even though he is maybe to a certain extent free from some of like the the more immediate aspects of his addiction he doesn't really i don't think he's really addressed the underlying issues and you know that probably not developed uh much in the way of like coping mechanisms so you can see that it is still uh very present in his thinking so yeah one of the the the, the big precog event that um i almost said incident well you know yeah let's, the, 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 the we'll call this the incident episode this is um, such an, an upsetting upsetting nightmare that i i think it qualifies as an incident yeah the precog incident uh that is kind of uh it will be the backdrop of a lot of what happens in this novel is um yeah so danny has one of his visions and tony is warning him about it don't go danny come to me no danny no uh and it, he's seeing like these visions of being chased with a man with a hammer he's like oh i gotta take your medicine oh come on oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hurt you Ooh. um and the big thing uh that he kind of keeps seeing 
is this this vision, this sense, this this word that keeps kind of like it's it's like I said, he can't read it, but he feels it. He feels the word, so he knows the word, but he can't read the word. It's 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 weird, but it makes perfect sense. And it that word is red rum, which boy, I wonder what that means. I don't know. Maybe if I take a good look in the mirror, I'll figure it out. Um, so that's kind of like the backdrop that's kind of being the tension builder of the novel at this point is is the red rum dream and it's there's 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 hate in it there's there's a sense of oh there's a word for this um the act of intentionally taking another person's life there's a word for it uh it's a six letter word uh what's the word for it i can't think of it um anyways um so there's this like backdrop of tension and uh malicious intent happening and at the center of it all is red rum and we don't know what that means yet uh so that's kind of a thing that kind of keep on the back burner like i said it's, it's a tension builder and um we'll see how that kind of starts adding on to itself as the story goes on but that is the 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 precog incident if you will if if that is the precog incident if you will that uh has kind of put Danny on the path of the plot of the story yeah so they're making their way to the overlook at this point and the the VW is not really doing too well but it 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 does well enough to make it there and they eventually out of a, a little bit of you know family um after a little bit of fa- family banter they end up making it to uh they crest the hill uh of the sidewinder pass which is ostensibly going to be the point of no return once the snow starts to set in um and they make it to the top uh and they look out in the distance and can see the overlook and jack and wendy are like oh wow it's beautiful i can't believe it meanwhile Danny's like, oh my god, this is the this is the place that I saw in in my dreams. Oh my goodness, red rum, red rum. Uh, so you know, there we go. We once again we get the the building of tension because these these this precognition has seen the overlook, and he we have gotten a glimpse of some bad things that either have or can or will happen because at this point. We could be. I'm. I'm gonna be a little cute here. Uh, we could be. Danny could have been experiencing the Grady incident. I mean, he didn't. Let's be real here. But maybe it was the Grady incident that he was seeing. So maybe, maybe it's gonna be a little different this time. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just he's getting a little vision of the past. Who knows? Um. So yeah, that's that's kind of a thing. But Danny's trying to hide it because he knows that. If he tries to bring this up to them, they either won't understand or he'll get in trouble for it because it's not... This might be a shocker at this point, but this is not the healthiest family. So, crazy, I know. But they end up making it to the Overlook. It's it's um, closing day. Is it, that's what they call it, right? Clo- is it closing day or check, check yeah, out day? Yeah, closing day, I think. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's super packed with all the guests uh, checking out for the season and leaving uh they uh there's kind of 
watching as Olman is uh, Olman's kind of giving him the rundown, like yeah, yeah, hey, you're here, welcome, uh, uh, you know, closing day, woo. And we get we get these these incidents of the just watching the different kinds of customers as they're leaving, and we have this woman. Is it Miss Blake or Miss Burke? Was what was the name of the woman? Something. I'm trying to remember. One of those two. It's not really important. She really only kind of exists for more uh, more Danny uh, shenanigans and some nice little humor thrown in. Uh, I, I love this bit. There's a bit where she she's she at first she's complaining about how I always use my American Express. I've been coming here for years. I always use my American Express. And then, you know, as she's leaving, uh, Danny gets a thought, a really loud thought from her head as she sees the um the valet bringing her car around, where she thinks that man she'd really love to get into that boy's pants. And Danny's just like, why would she want to get in his pants? Is she cold or something? Like mom always wears pants this time of year. Why doesn't she wear her own pair of pants? And I just, I, I, <laughs> it's such such a it funny moment. A little bit of a, it becomes a little bit of a recurring bit here. Yeah, and the one thing that King has done really well in this section as a whole is use Danny as a form of 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 comedic uh, relief, because there's a bit where where Jack is talking about how at the the animal topiary. Um, how he used to trim trim a woman's hedges back in college, and him and uh, him and Wendy are being a little suggestive with trimming a woman's hedges. And Danny's like, "Did she have a big hedge, Dad?" And they, that just kind of sends them both over the edge. And so Danny Danny's used as a, a bit of adult humor throughout this section for both Jack, Wendy, and also later on we'll see with Halloran. And I just I love it. I'm all I'm all about it. It's it's great. It's a great use of Danny's character and his innocence. And a great way to just kind of throw some levity in in a in in the book so far to kind of like try and try and mask the tension that is still building at this point to almost kind of like put you put you off guard to it. It's it's very very well done. Just phenomenal writing going on right here. Yeah, I I think part of it is is King drawing from his own experiences at that point of being a I don't know how to I don't when I say young father I don't necessarily mean that he was like like super young it's just like he was just early on in his fatherhood he he had yeah. kids that still had kids that were very young and i think i think he's able to draw from it here and just you know the 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 innocence the sort of like unintentional comedy of the of the of the, the children can bring that kind of stuff yeah and so uh Ullman's like yeah i got some things to do you know closing up shop and all that business so he sends them to go talk to Halloran, who is the the head chef, and he needs to talk to Wendy and show Wendy around the kitchen so that she's aware and familiar with, ostensibly, what's going to keep them alive. The, so that they, they don't become the 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 Torrance Donner family. Uh, and so now we meet uh, Dick Halloran, who is the best character in this book, and it's not even close. I love Halloran. He's great. He is certainly very likable. He's he's definitely the most likable character to this point. Yeah, I, I love him. He's he's funny. He's intelligent. He's just really he's very well warm. written. Yeah, like like definitely the kind of guy that you would want to to hang out with. Yeah, yeah definitely the kind of guy that you 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 go to work. He's one of the guys that you you don't mind being around. <laughs> that's that's something that that you know. I don't mean to step on your toes here, but that is something that kind of they establish here is, you know, this uh, 
this he's he's obviously he's acting he acts very friendly towards Danny and you know not not just in a in a way that that would just seem very uh like like he's just a nice gregarious friendly man but that like it kind of it kind of like sets the stage for um for exploring other aspects of of their respective characters here as well so yeah halloran you know a lot of this is just him being like stoves here fridges here meats here i got you guys turkey for thanksgiving woo woo um, but the real main takeaway of this section is is Danny and Halloran and their interactions together. And there are these really great moments. And King does a good job of... of um, that he does a little bit of tell-don't-show, but he, does, he also does a little bit of show-don't-tell in that Halloran calls him Doc. Um... And they're just like, oh wow, how do you how do you know we call him Doc? And he's like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, we call him Doc sometimes. He's like, oh, he he kind of looks like one. He just kind of plays it off kind of well. And then there's a point where he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, I can't remember my name. What's my name again? And and uh, Danny's like, Halloran, but to friends, your dick. And he's like, that's right. And then and then the Jack and Wendy are looking at each other like, oh, I don't know if I remember him ever saying his first name was Dick. I don't know. Uh, so that, that's a little bit of the tell don't show side of things, but there's like a lot of context that you can, if you're paying attention, you'll, you'll pick up that the two of them are like communicating with each other with information that has not been spoken. And it's a lot more than just the doc and Dick thing. Uh, it's, there's like a little more nuance to it. So that, that's where it gets into the, the show don't tell side of it that King does with this sequence. And it's, it leads into after the whole Hey, kitchen, food, woo. Uh, he he can he gets he he very very smoothly gets Danny alone as he he gets him to help him take his luggage to his car as he's leaving and he's like hop in let me talk to you for a minute. Uh, a lot of great jokes about him. He being, he being like Danny come to Florida with Florida. Danny in Florida. Uh, Danny come to Florida with me and for the winter it'll be great. And then they get in the car and when he's like oh my god he's not gonna actually take him to Florida with him is he? I thought he was joking. Oh my god! Uh, but they have their conversation. This is when we get introduced to the Shine or the Shining, uh, and uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a really cool bit. We, we get a lot more context into Danny's abilities, and Halloran shares them. And it's he explains the, how the precog kind of how he understands it is working, and the mind reading, and how Danny is the strongest he's ever encountered with the shine and it's this really great moment that kind of really further establishes this almost kind of mentor protege relationship between Danny and Halloran two characters who have known each other for all of half an hour at this point uh, it's I, I don't know it's it's a really good scene and I like it a lot yeah yeah I we, think it, it's very good and uh, you know some nice character development of of the character of Halloran himself too, he talks about, you know, basically um, telepathically communicating with his his grandmother. You know, um, and there's also this little moment where um, it's kind of interesting that how he's 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 kind of talking with Danny about the idea of like of like the this sort of how to put it. You know, it's it's when he's like okay i want you to essentially he says i want you to think something at me 
really hard, as hard as you can. And then um, the way he, and then Danny kind of does it, and it's almost like he's, it has like a physical, an almost physical weight to it. Like he's, he thinks it at him so hard that it, it's like, it, it, it takes a toll on him. He's, he, he's a little bit caught off guard and it kind of hurts him a little, not like too bad, not like serious injury, but it is something that he just kind of, it kind of, it, it's interesting that it kind of creates this sort of like, um, dynamic like the idea of like these thoughts having sort of like a almost like a, a mass and a weight of their own it's kind of it's kind of interesting it gives an almost formal component to this this uh to the abstraction of thought yeah um it's it's definitely a, a somewhat unique way to have uh a somewhat common superpower for lack of a better term like you the application of it being a nice uh i imagine especially for 77 a very fresh take on on something like that there are no original ideas there is only good execution yeah so exactly and we we also get a payoff of the why does she want his pants joke uh that was established earlier where he asks him Oh yeah, hey, you know this woman? You know the the driver guy? Yeah. Why would she want his pants? What do you mean? Oh, she said I heard her thinking that she wants to get in his pants. And man, I, I yeah, just oh, Halloran probably reacts to that the exact same way that I did. Just it just breaks him, and I'm like, man, this is this is funny. I love this. This is great. So we get that nice little moment too. And get a little payoff of that joke that was set up a couple dozen pages prior. Yeah, the the, but we do also get this moment where Danny opens up to him a little more more than he would with his parents because of this 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 commonality that the two of them share with the shine. In that uh, he tells him about the dream uh, and Tony and a little more about Tony and how uh, you know he's just kind of not really sure about kind of the situation that they're in and and Halloran's like look man hey uh nothing here can hurt you there's nothing in the hotel that can cause you any harm and he really stresses this so much like many times it's like nothing here can hurt you if you see anything he's like I've seen things here I've seen things that have that are like essentially um fragments of the past that have been left behind and the thing about them is all they are they're just like pictures in a book they might scare you, but they can't do anything to you. So all you gotta do is just look away, and when you look back, it'll be gone. Nothing here can hurt you. And he also mentions how he also probed uh, Jack and Wendy to see if they had the shine as well, and he caught a faint reaction in Wendy, and he, he chalks that up to just something that every mother has, at least while their children are, are young, and he just kind of was like, that's just, as in my experience, that's just a normal motherly reaction, that they have a very small amount of the shine. And he probed Jack, and I feel like he didn't give us the actual answer as to what he found inside Jack. He kind of danced around it and said, he's got something he's hiding, something that he does, or some, something either he's hiding from, or something he's intentionally hiding, or something that he just does not want to break through the surface. And there is absolutely zero shine in him and he kind of ends it off being like hey man i'm gonna i'm gonna be 
in Florida, but if you need me for any reason, I need you to do that little mental shout, shoot your little shout at me as as loud as you can, and I'll, maybe I'll be able to hear it in Florida, and I'll come running. So, with that, Halloran and Danny have their goodbyes. Halloran leaves, still trying to convince himself that nothing can hurt Danny in the Overlook. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's, it's just a great segment. I really like Halloran. Um, he's easily my favorite character so far. It's one of those things for, like, when King is hitting he's he's it's a grand slam man like like i do think that king is one of the greatest authors of all time i'm not saying he's the most consistent because he definitely isn't but boy his his highs are some of the highest in literature and in 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 literary not literary fiction in fiction literature i would say like king really knows how to create tension how to write characters and how to really build a story it's 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 almost unparalleled in my opinion yeah just really really am enjoying the book so far yeah oh i i i sorry just one last little bit about danny and halloran um halloran kind of warns him and he's like hey you know i know you know like this is this was back when they were they were talking about the the getting in the pants um joke he's like and I know under certain circumstances, this could be kind of dodgy. This idea of this man asking a child to keep secrets from his parents. But he's like, you, what you have, your abilities, you know, people are not going to understand them. And they might take it, take things the wrong way, you know, when you use your powers around them. So you have to be careful about what you disclose about things that you learn through the shine. And I don't know if that's going to come back to be relevant later, but I just thought that was an interesting little little piece of information there that he hit of him of cautioning Danny. Yeah. And that that basically puts us to the end of part two. All that's really left is their final conversation with Ullman, and he's just basically just like, "All right, um, I'm not going to have a good good holiday. I hate anywhere but here." This is my baby. You better be here when I get back. Okay, bye. And that, that, that's basically kind of how we round off part two. Um, they're at the Overlook. They're now alone. And we are now ready to see how they last for the next seven months. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that about wraps it up for us here. I know. But I think we, we covered a lot of ground. And, and added a lot of context and maybe did a little bit of early analysis of themes and stuff that are going to come back around uh, in the future. Yep. Um, I'm really enjoying the book so far. Um, I know you are as well, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just very excited to see where this goes. Yep. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for King, especially good King, so... Yeah, uh, I'm loving this book so far. It's it's scratching that itch that it, only he can scratch for me, and with books. And it's just, you know, I just I have such a great time being in his worlds that he creates, mostly in Maine. Um, 
<laughs> and just living through these characters. So yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Uh, if that has not been made abundantly clear, and yeah, I just you know, I look forward to 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 getting more into this. Yeah, I, I don't know, not, not much else to say. I guess yeah, it's a great book. I'm really enjoying it. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for tuning into another episode of the Sad Boys Book Club, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Yep. Take care.